right. All right. Well, I wrote a few Ready. questions down. Ask away. So uh, how do we open again? You got, you got to introduce your guest. I do have to introduce your guest. So we have Scott McGovey here. Um, uh, we've been friends since elementary school. You were in my ECE class. So that's Latic? No, that was oh, that was kindergarten. Yes. ECE is Mr. Kazillion. Ah, Mr. Kazillion. I don't remember him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so yeah, Scott McCovey here, your appraiser. Uh, also uh, heavy into the mixed martial arts community. Um, you own Vision Quest. Co-own, uh, yeah. Co-own Vision yeah. Quest with Josh Hill. Yeah, and a couple others as well now. But yeah. um, And so, yeah, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your main job. Let's do it. All right, so tell me a little bit about appraisals, when you got into it, um, and, and whatnot. Um, how did I get into it? I would say that actually you played a, a part in me getting into it because the, the first step to me looking into appraising was after I worked for Energi. So when I worked for Energi, I was right at distributing the funds for people that filed for the Echo Energy Rebate Program. And I was going in and out of houses all day, inspecting and, and whatever, right? And then writing the reports when I got home. And very similar to, to what I do now, um, the Echo Energy Program expired. I tried to find something else in that field where I could do something different every day, but it's the same task, but I'm going somewhere new, right? And I saw an ad on Kijiji and it just said appraiser needed. So I'm like, this is what I want. And I looked into it. I'm like, real estate appraisal. Okay. Applied, very, took very the internet interview. and to our uh, energy program kind of thing. Similar it, in like the, the setup of make an appointment, go through the dwelling, like look at what you're looking at, take some notes and then come home and do the report. That's the same. But obviously the, the job is yes. tremendously different. But um, the type of work is extremely similar. And you got me that job at Energy, or the interview at least. And, uh, and then you got Annie you know, the uh, job at the appraiser. And I made it back and hey. I got Annie the job at Walker & Walker, yeah. And that's what it's about, man, there give and go. take. So 100%. appraisers, you've been doing it for how long? I'm in my ninth year. Holy sheesh. Ninth year, yeah. It goes fast. So, yeah, and uh, like still in schooling for it, right? Because I'm an AIC candidate. And you have 10 years to get your full uh, accreditation. So I have eight of my nine or seven of my eight necessary courses I've got complete. I've got one more to go. Um, and then I'll be like a full appraiser, like able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Right. But and is that in the, uh, is that in the car? Is that where you're? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I have to, right? If you'd gone this far, you, you have to try. Get, um, get the, but I'm happy where I am at, at Walker and Walker. Like I didn't. A lot of people have the goals of leaving and branching out and opening up your own thing. And for me, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy where I am as long as I keep being treated well like I am. And, yeah. You know. So they give you a stable amount, obviously, of appraisals. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is a fact, but they used to say they're the largest firm in, in like Niagara, Hamilton region. I don't know if that's true. I know they do a ton. We're like, we're everybody knows working. them. And I've, I know other appraisers that are like, you know, how, how's business as a slow down? And like, this is a while ago and I'm like, no, not, not really. It's pretty yeah. steady all year round, no matter what. So. Yeah. And so, so for people that don't know what is an appraisal, uh, when do you need an appraisal? Does the average person need to understand it? Yeah. So Tell me a little bit about, you know, that for me, I can only talk about what I, what I do them for. And I do them for two primary purposes. And it, it's, uh, 
if you go to your bank and you're trying to you know take out money or refinance your house or something like that um, and then I, I also do them privately if people wanted an appraisal for like uh, you know a matrimonial you're getting divorced and you need to you're fighting over the value of the home and you do the appraisal that way um, so those the primarily my workload is refinancing through banks or you're trying to get your mortgage you just bought a house so you call uh, go to get your mortgage and then the bank says well you need an appraisal so I have to go to the house, uh, walk through the house, take a picture of every room, take a bunch of notes on what the rooms look like, what type of flooring do we have, what does the kitchen look like, has this been upgraded, you know, what, what's the square footage, how many bedrooms, all that stuff. And then uh, when I go back to the office, I, I try to find three other homes that have sold within the last, you know, maximum six months, but usually within four, um, that have sold and then compare the specific house to those three comparables. Um, yeah, that pretty much. And it's kind of like mathematical formula. Like you're, you're doing like a plus minus adjustment for stuff. Yeah. So that's where appraisals differ from a real estate agent coming in and appraising, right? Because you can see something like potential of an area or, you know, um, maybe something that, that you, you see, you've seen in an, another sale that adds value to a home. But for me, my hands are tied, right? So in an appraisal for a bank, they give you a set of lender guidelines which attributes what's worth money and what's not worth money, right? So this is what you're allowed to attribute value to and this is what you can't. So an example is like, just the other day I was at a, a four acre farm in West Lincoln and they had a gorgeous outbuilding, like 2,000 square feet, full heat, full hydro, like this thing's worth $100,000, $150,000, yeah. you know? And, uh, but the lender guidelines said you can only include the outbuilding if the house doesn't have an attached garage. Then I could say the outbuilding is their garage, right? So this house did have an attached garage. So I had to go to the property and kind of view it like the outbuilding didn't even exist, which wow. is crazy. Because how yeah. can you support the value when I'm leaving out something that's tremendously valuable? Yeah, and especially to like a hobbyist or a you know, a mechanic exactly. or somebody that really wants that space. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's a, it might be worth 300000 to that yeah. person. So, 100%. You know. But I can't look at it like that. Yeah. Right. So, so as much as you can, it's mathematical. It's very, you know, better, better flooring uh, plus X. Yeah. There's certainly like subjectivity to it, but you try to leave that out and be as you know systematic and mathematical as you can right like just because i prefer you know a laminate flooring because it's easier to clean i prefer that but it's hardwood so you got to make an adjustment and say the hardwood is nicer because hardwood's more expensive and it's nicer so yeah. ten thousand dollars for your floor yeah so right? as, as uh yeah makes sense mm -hmm. and um so pretty much so people know really appraisal happens every time a house is purchased is that correct I would think so, but different types. So I think it depends on the amount of money the purchaser is putting down. So like I've heard if people put down 50% of the value of a home, then they're only going to do a drive-by. So a drive-by is literally me driving by the house, taking a picture showing, hey, the house exists, and then doing that same comparable search, but without actually going in. Right? Okay. Or there's a desktop where I don't even leave my house and they say, can you appraise this property from your desk? So I have to like find comps around it that have sold. And without even seeing if this house exists physically, um, and then appraising it based on that information, you know. So, um, really, your job is to mitigate for in those situations, mitigate the bank's risk. 
100%. That is my job, is to protect the money that the bank is lending individuals. I I work for the bank, not the the person who's doing the refinancing or the purchasing. And I think that's a common misconception, right? Where people are like, you know, I'm paying you. And I'm like, I understand that. But, you know, I'm here as, as the bank. I'm here to be the eyes of the bank. And I look at what the bank tells me to, you know, I'm not out to get you. I'm just doing what the bank tells me to do. And uh, obviously, we just went through a pandemic here, um, mm. you know, and just wanted to kind of, I guess, see how you've seen it shift. You know, has it has it been as steady? Um, what have you seen through? Um, how is how has it affected your business? And um, have you seen prices go up, down? What's your thoughts on it? Okay, um, so this started in March, right? March, mid March, second week in March. So second week of March till end of April was the busiest I've probably ever seen it in nine years. Like I was doing three or four a day every day. Um, I could have worked weekends if I wanted to, but I was like, no, like that, that's enough, you know. And uh, people were pulling money out and getting lines of credit and leveraging as much more than I'd, I've seen in, in nine years. Interesting. And then come say May 1st-ish, our workload just totally dropped off. So I actually, I didn't work for a couple of weeks, which hasn't happened in nine years. Like I've worked steady for nine years beside vacations and um, it stopped. And then I would say maybe 10 years ago, back to full boom again, or sorry, 10, 10 days, days ago, ago, full boom again, like back to crazy. So I don't know what causes that. Yeah. Like, I don't know if the word of the pandemic made people panic and then everybody was like, we better refinance now before this hits. And then we paused for a bit, I don't know. But uh, I can certainly say without doubt that there has not been a decrease in home values in the areas that I do. And I service from Hamilton to Binbrook to St. Catharines to Niagara Falls and Grimsby and Beamsville and those areas. There hasn't been a single dip in anything. So you're seeing prices, same as like, I we're on the same page with this. I'm seeing the exact same yeah. numbers. I'm same seeing- thing, if not maybe even increased due to a lack of inventory inventory right so like i haven't seen a bidding war since 2017 ish but i mean i've heard oh i had bidding wars yeah. up. i haven't seen many yeah um and then i saw two last week and i was like how is there bidding wars in the middle of a pandemic but it's because the inventory is so low it's causing a frenzy definitely a, a seller's market in my opinion i would agree i think that a lot of you know you're seeing some reason news always you know it's very negative and yeah 100 percent. i guess you know clickbait yeah um but yeah i have not seen a drop i've seen a drop in in, in uh, inventory i've seen a drop in sales but prices are every everything i've seen is still you know very strong um and a lot of competition we've been losing a ton of offers it's crazy you know? Chris and Randy both have lost a ton of offers. I've lost a bunch. And, you know, you were saying a little bit before that you went to one and it sold like 50,000 over asking. Yeah, it was like 38 over asking, but it was an, in an area north of Barton Street that you really, I haven't seen that. You know, because it's not the greatest area, you know, in regards to, to uh, socioeconomic background. Um, and it's like when you see it go, close to 500,000 I was like home holy cow like I, I didn't expect it you know yeah that's it's crazy that's like um, yeah fifth, almost so you said 38,000 38,000 yeah so probably five six ten offers per se 
I, I mean, I don't have that info. I don't yeah. know, but yeah. still impressive or at least uh, weird yeah. to happen at this time. It, and it is because you have so many people are like thinking that, you know, they see the headlines, sales plummet, mm-hmm. you know, and all you think is the market must be, you know, diving. And I don't get what, like, what's the reason behind doing that? What are you trying to do by releasing articles with headlines? Like I told you, the one that popped up on my phone said Hamilton down, real estate down 38.9, or no, 68%. And I was like, what? So I click on it and I read it. And it's just referencing the uh, amount of listings May 1st compared to the amount of listings uh, of May 1st, 2019. But values are strong, if not stronger or similar at least. So why focus on the negative part of it and then pump the negativity, you know? I uh, I don't know why. I wish I knew, man. Yeah. I really do. I don't get it. It's, uh, it is sad that, you know, that's all that they seem to do is push out negative media. And they're even like you see CMHC today said, or was it yesterday said that, you know, they predict that it's going to drop 18%. Um, What's going to drop 18%? The market. Like the overall entire market is going to drop 18%, you know? That was the prediction um, by the economists. And so they're going to tighten their lending requirements so that you have to put 10% down instead of 5% down. Uh, interesting. Um, and a few other little little tweaks to the uh, Canadian mortgage, uh, you know, the insurance program. So I don't know. Um, it brings up another like... Um, I don't know, problematic thing that that happens when people address market increase or market decline is that markets can vary, you know, 500 meters away from each other. You know, when I'm on Westdale to, you know, houses, you know, a stone's throw away from each other, it literally can be a different world in regards to what houses are selling for. So like one of the things I hear all the time when I do an appraisal and a client is unhappy, which happens unfortunately regularly, um, you know, is that Hamilton went up 22% last year, Scott. How did my house not? And I'm like, listen, like that's very broad. Yeah. That includes Ancaster, Binbrook, Stony Creek, the north of Barton Street. It includes everywhere, right? And it's collectively like this is the house. Like in that year, you could have had, you know, a lot more higher end houses. Exactly. Being sold. Like, yeah. You, it's not a very full... Uh, you know, vision at, at, at what actually transpired. Hundred percent. That includes townhouses and condos and absolute mansions, right? Yeah. So, I know it's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, frustrating, and I don't. I agree. I don't see the purpose. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Why predict it's going to drop eighteen percent? I don't. I would love to know the data that you know is leading them They're to believe using. it. Um, you know, I think that. Yeah. Who benefits from that? I don't know. There certainly wouldn't be me and you. <laughs> like I don't know, man. Like yeah. I know, you know. Okay, I can. I guess. I guess I can see if there's a lot of jobs lost. Um, that's a potential for the market to which drop. Which there is. Which there certainly is. And I mean, uh, a good friend of mine uh, closed down her clothing store because she's just like you know couldn't do it. Right. It just didn't make sense to carry the overhead that happened during this time. Um, so there's definitely going to be a lot of places shutting down. My gym is closed. It's yeah. been closed since March 16th or whenever this this started going. You know, um, so I can definitely see there's going to be problems. But I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to. I don't know. I yeah. I, I just I struggle to see why you're going to assume it's going to drop 18. percent Yeah, that's a pretty big drop. Hundred percent. Not saying like three four yeah. percent. 
They're yeah. saying 18% potentially. Yeah, it's drastic. And I, I don't personally see it. The cost, like, if it is, we're going to have some serious problems. Like, Definitely. you know, if a builder can't, you know, drop pretty much 18% is most builders' margins. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, the cost to build isn't going to go down 18%. So how do they build? How do you still build a house if your profit margin is eighteen percent, or why would you? If you're not, yeah, or yeah, why would you? Why even? would you bother building if? You're so you know, I, I like to, I like to not feed into the media as much as possible. Same. Um, I like to really go with my gut. My gut tells me, uh, and we talked about it before. My gut tells me that you know we had a shortage of inventory before COVID. Um, we have a shortage of inventory now, and prices are stable because of that. Uh, if not going up um and i think we're gonna have a shortage of inventory after yeah um you know the fastest growing city in north america is toronto in 2019 uh there was 78,000 new residents i believe uh we grew in, in in population versus the next closest was um oregon portland oregon okay. 24,000 so we are the it's a big difference it is and and york actually lost residents last year and so when you look at it or at least the way i look at it i say we're always in the top five countries to be in uh and to, li to live in in the world mm -hmm. so we're a great place to live a lot of natural resources um very multicultural fastest growing city in north america you know when and, and still affordable yeah like you well, know, to an extent, and you know. So, an I, I, and I want to touch on that because a lot of people think like you know, uh, and I get it's you know it's getting higher and higher and higher. Uh, but if you look globally speaking for mega cities, we're very affordable. Toronto is you know a very big city. It's a it's a mega city, mm -hmm. and so you know a lot of people from China uh, feel that Toronto is actually very affordable. So a lot of people park their money here yeah and that's why some of the uh measures were taken yeah. to curb that For with sure. the foreign tax um because they were just parking their money because they felt like it was safer to keep their house uh their money parked in a house here and so they would just buy up real estate and park it so a lot of these places were just vacant crazy uh, but it was better than keeping in their market because they felt like their their money was you know going to tank yeah. their economy is going to tank so yeah. you know so I, so I look at it and I say we're, we're one of the fastest growing uh, cities in North America. We're one of the best places to live in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, you know, a lot of natural resources and still, you know, a decent amount of land to build in southern Ontario as we stretch out towards Niagara and Beamsville and Smithville, West Lincoln, um, Bimbrook even if you look. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, and so... I really am hopeful that, um, you know, I think things are going to stay strong. I look at it even like I was saying, affordability-wise. I know we think it's expensive to live in Toronto, but I was in London, England. One of my clients gave me uh, her flat in London, England, downtown mm -hmm. Chelsea. And everywhere I go, I look at real estate. And uh, so we were in London, England, in Chelsea, and we were staying in a one-bedroom flat. And I took a look. I was like, I wonder what the price of this place is. And it was 1.8 million dollars wow. 
and it was literally like crazy. The kitchen was six feet by you know six by three. It was literally the smallest kitchen I've ever yeah. seen in my life. Crazy. Uh, one bedroom, no dining room, just a, a little living room, one bedroom, one bath, and a little three by six kitchen. Yeah. And uh, that was one point eight million. Uh, then we went went on a tour around uh, London, England, and. You know, we've seen houses that, you know, very similar to my house that would be worth 30, 35 million. And I was like, who can afford this? Yeah. Um, and so that's London, England. And I get, you know, that's one of the more expensive places in the world. Mm-hmm. But you look at Shanghai, Beijing, San Francisco, New York. But can uh, that continue forever? Like, like can that so, uh, environment perpetuate itself? Funny, uh, funny question. And I don't know the answer. However... I met a guy while I was in London, and he was a, the 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 driver from the plane to the to the condo to the to the flat, and uh, I, I always strike up combo. So I'm talking to him about real estate, and he's telling me how he's been there for 35 years, and uh, and I'm saying like prices are crazy, and he's like, he goes, you know, what? he goes, when I first came here, he goes, you know, I bought a house, and. Uh, after about a couple of years, he goes, and people said, like, you know, the bubble's going to burst. Yeah. You know, he's like, the prices cannot continue. Heard, heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, 30 years later, he goes, they're still saying it. Yeah. But true. the prices are now 35 true. million. Yeah. And he's like, he goes, I don't understand it. Um, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe it needs to curb a little bit. I don't know. Maybe uh, that's what this is supposed to do pandemic is supposed to curb it i don't know but i don't certainly know. no evidence of it now yeah it's you know it's definitely uh definitely tough to predict like what can you know what is gonna happen yeah um, i just look and and they've been saying even since i in, in stony creek they've been saying since you know the, i've been in the real estate market that you know bubble's gonna burst corrections yeah. coming corrections coming corrections coming i haven't seen it yeah so i i really kind of hold hope that um, you know, prices are still generally affordable when you look at the major cities mm-hmm. over the world. Uh, we are a great place to live, and uh, you know we have room to grow. So, I agree. hopefully, uh, things stay good because you do have a bunch of properties as well. Is that yeah. correct? I got a couple. So, uh, what I know you have your own place that you bought. Yeah. You're funny enough. You were my first client, first guy, <laughs> first, first house I ever. I ever sold was this man here, yeah. Scott McGovey. That's funny. Uh, trusted me back in how long ago was 2011. it? 2011. 2011 to help you with yeah. your uh, real estate purchase. Absolutely. And uh, I've done a lot of deals since then, but it was uh, really, really nice to do my first deal with one of my favorite uh, when friends. When did you get your license? Because that would have been November, October 2011 is when I bought it. Because so, I just started appraising, and now it's 2020. I had had my real estate license for about three months. Okay. Before you the bought. first sale. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really really nice to do, and uh, you know, I think we had, I think we were able to manage to negotiate good for you. Oh and get, yeah. Get we, a went, we went. I remember. I, we went from 232 was the accepted 232 uh, eh? 232 and then i think we ended up getting it for 211.5 nice 
I think. I could be. I'm pretty sure. Close to something that. like that. Yeah. And we negotiated a little like bit that. of money off for you. Yeah, and we got uh, after home inspection. Got it down a little got bit. Got it down a little know? bit more. That's what we do. Got <laughs> to save every penny. Got to negotiate, man. Absolutely. No, you did I a think... great job for me. And actually, I remember uh, a couple months after, I was like, there was a pizza at my door when I came home from the movies, and I was like, what is this? And you had called Gino's Pizza to deliver me a pizza to my house, but I wasn't home. So, so I just <laughs> left it there. And I was like, all right, I guess all right, I, well, I got thanks, a pizza Pete. here. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good, uh, good idea. Well, that was least. nice of me. Yeah, it was nice of you. I must have thought you were home. Yeah, I must I guess. have thought you were home. But um, so so you bought that house for two thirty two eleven Something like that, yeah. And what there. would you say it's worth now? Uh, I've also put a lot in, right? So like... Over the last nine years, I've done the kitchen, the flooring, the bathroom, the basement. And now I just, just last year, I did the roof, the siding, and the brick on the front. Like, really put a lot of money in. Yeah, you did a great job. So Looks really nice. Thanks. Um, but I don't know how much I've put in overall over the nine years. But I've definitely, if, I, if, I, if it was 230 or 211, it's at least 515, 520, 525 nowadays. I, I, I would agree. And Something if that like house that. sold for... 545 north of barton north of barton then maybe more maybe more maybe more but my pocket is weird eh? that that it pocket is, there in satellite city near valley park is weird it is an interesting pocket yeah but i think it's um i think it's it's growing you know i think it's coming up and, and you're starting to see it increase yeah so so, so yeah you, since then then i got the so you the made a couple brantford you made well. a couple hundred thousand you're at least a couple hundred thousand dollars in equity yeah. In your first purchase, that was seven years ago, you said, or eight years ago? Nine. Nine 2011. years ago. 2011. 2011. Okay, so nine years ago. Yeah. So you made a couple hundred thousand dollars there. Yeah. And you've parlayed that into more property now? Yeah. So I got uh, my partner, Brendan. Shout out to Brendan Cover, Hamilton Home Comfort. Yeah. Um, we got a townhouse in Brantford. And we just closed on that like a couple months ago. Got that rented out. And then we're part of the new... Uh, condominiums in Waterdown that are going to open, I don't know, in a year and a half or two years. The, I, we got one in there as well. The trend? So is it trend? Tr- yeah, trend. Trend? Trend. So that, that's all I have going on right now. I've got my place. I've got half the townhouse in Brantford and half the condo in, in Waterdown. Um, but that nice. being said, I, I'm not going to stop this method of uh, growth and investment because I find that that's what works best for me. I'm not a stock market kind of guy. I'm not a you know, I don't like to gamble in commodities and stuff like that. So uh, real estate is something I know very well and something that I've I've also learned from others, like seeing my dad had a rental and then sold it, then regretted it 10 years later and wished he still had it and stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to hold on to as much property as I can, as long as I can, and uh, try and fill it with good people to keep take care of your property. And then, you know, and that is sell the key. it all. Like hold, hold, yeah. and hold. Yeah. If you can hold until you're ready to retire, like yeah. that being said, like with the townhouse and we're also bouncing around the idea of holding it for two years and then selling it because we bought it pre-construction, right? So you're going to see a huge gain when you buy pre-construction because we bought it a year and a half before it was even built. Yeah. And then after, you know, two years, maybe selling it because you're only going to see regular increase, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the plan is to do that only if we can reinvest back into new construction. Another project. Yeah. Or a duplex yeah. or something and like that. And that's one of the things about new construction. Like, part of the reason why you're making that, you know, big jump of money, uh, the big, you know, 
forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Part of that is just the fact that two years has gone by. Mm-hmm. So inflation, you know, exactly. If if the average house goes up three percent a year, you know, that's a big part of that equation. So absolutely, but smart way to do it. You know, it's you know, I so far have been you know dabbling more into the flips mm-hmm. and uh, builds because I have my license. Yeah, but. Um, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in pre-construction as well, and you know, you've seen that. So, Same. so when you bought the Branford one, what did you buy it for? If you don't mind me asking, three eighty-nine nine ninety. Neighbor just sold for four sixty-nine. So, and when did you put your down payment on that? Do you remember? Uh, Roughly, if it's twenty twenty, maybe the very beginning of twenty eighteen. So maybe? in two years, you've made yeah. you know. 80 grand 80 grand yeah not too bad yeah it's not too shabby can't um, complain and then yeah like you know refinance potentially in a mm-hmm. couple of years and do another one or keep yeah. it so Although i have a lot of trouble refinancing with um guidelines and rules that the lenders have put on it right like based on my income and self-employed and self-employed makes it super difficult absolutely super difficult so I'm, but, I'm a you little know, bit limited in that respect, but uh, that's where you know we'll talk more, you know, later. But it's it's something where you know one of the things I explained before to you I was doing was a holding corp. Yeah. So we take you know that's something that I learned not so long ago, you know, a few years ago, and I I, I moved all my rental properties into a holding corp, and so what that does is you know when you have to go for a mortgage, they're looking at your total service debt ratio, um, but if you move all your rental properties into a holding corp you know those don't affect your total service debt ratio so hmm. they end up being part of a holding corp um, and that holding corp so for example for me i have you know three or four properties four properties in my holding corp and so that holding corp has nothing to do with me so it's a so separate entity it's a separate entity crazy so you know as long as there's enough equity in the houses and enough rent coming in to service the debt. So instead of like a total service debt ratio for yourself, I believe the the holding corp for the mortgages become like a a, a, a service debt ratio for the house. So it has to be like a so for example, you know that how say you have a house in there, one house, and you have to have a few, but let's say you have one house in there for five hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and your mortgage is twenty three hundred a month. You have to be collecting, I think it's about 1.2, um, 1.2 to cover the the debt. So, okay. if you're bringing in, let's say, you know, twenty six, twenty seven hundred, yeah, instead of twenty four hundred, it's enough to cover and leave a little bit of money. So the bank says, okay, you know, we can uh, we can give you the money for that property. But so I heard I, you need to have. A couple of properties before you can even open like you can't open a hoard holding corp and then just put one house in it so i think we'd uh we'll that's get, your next guest man yeah, bring so somebody was, in who can really analyze that because i was gonna say i'll get I'm not Kate, educated enough on it to i'll get katie or uh ned in here to explain it further um and uh and they can explain it a lot better than i can yeah um but yeah it's like you know i have three or no i started with two in there and then I put in a third and a fourth, and I'm about to put in a fifth, and um, and so it it doesn't affect your you know your own. So if you want to go buy another house under yourself, it's no issue. Yeah. And so that obviously helps you there. But the other Definitely. part of it that is you know important is that that holding corp 
you know, is bringing in, say, four rental properties times how much rent's coming in, that's revenue, right? So it becomes its own enterprise that's making money and you can start to loan against it. You can get credit cards through it. How do you so, do a tax return for that? Just like you would any like incorporated business? Exactly. So, you know, my holding corp has a credit card. You know, it's like it's it's it has it's its own little you know entity yeah. which is kind of cool yeah and so if i want to go buy another house i can and if i want to buy another house through my holding corp i can yeah so you know i'll go and say hey you know what i want to buy another house with my holding corp put my business name in as long as i have enough equity in the holding corp and enough money in the holding corp to buy it they will give me another mortgage that's interesting. Um, and again, it has so that's so you know when you start off and you're just buying one, two, three houses, you know under your own name is fine. A lot of banks have a limit of five houses um, under your personal name. Um, like I think RBC for sure did. Um, but if you put it under your holding corp, you can add as many as you want to it. Hmm. So it's a you know really something to look further into. Yeah, and, definitely. And, and definitely, I will. Uh, at some point, have Katie or Annette on here to discuss it further. Yeah, because um, it is it is something you should do. The other cool thing about it, like what what I'm trying to do with it, is to add, start to add international property to it. So you know, you want to go to Bahamas and buy a house. Well, you buy it through your holding corp. Now your your trip there is now, you know, to look for real estate tax deductible. Yeah, tax deductible, <laughs> yeah. right? So you're going there to Bahamas to look to add a property to your, you know, holding corp. Yeah. So every, you know, if you do buy one, every future trip to Bahamas is to service and, you know, look after your your investment. And so, you know, it all go, gets channeled into your holding corp. And then, you know, I'd love to have Dan Dan Pelk actually explain a little further. I had him on before, mm-hmm. but he can explain to you some cool stuff. Um, called whole life policy through your holding corp so um and even like a a health spending account through your holding corp so it it acts as a business one of the things dan taught me that you know is something i haven't taken advantage of yet but i'm going to you can invest tax-free into a whole life policy Mm -hmm. through your corp um and so you know if it's 500 a month 700 a month a thousand a month whatever you you know want to do and then um Let's say after 20 years, there's 1.5 million in your whole life policy. You put it all in there tax-free, so it becomes like a deductible going in. And when you, uh, if you say you're 50 and you want to borrow some money, you borrow against that whole life policy, and that's tax-free. And then you only have to pay it back if you decide. I feel like or, what's, what's the catch? Or you know, if like, you die, then you pay it back. Yeah, your state pays it back. There's no catch. No, I, I it's just that's what it feels like sometimes. You know, like yeah. sometimes it feels like Yeah, absolutely. Why isn't everybody doing this? But it's not that there is a catch. It's just like that we are uneducated, like myself in that field, so haven't done it, right? And and you know, myself included, I didn't know about this until I met Dan. Mm-hmm. You know, he explained this to me. So that's why it's, you know, important to talk to professionals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they they uh, accountants insurance uh, agents, um, tax specialists, finance specialists, they know ways to, you know, add value to your life. Yeah, right? um, absolutely. Within the the confines of the law, right? Um, In the Tax Act, it actually states you you owe owe it to yourself. You have to do 
whatever is best for you tax wise hmm. so taking advantage of any you know perk they give you yeah so you know as long as it's within the law um do it do it man and yeah. and, and, and save some money and build for your kids build the build your estate for your your kids or your future or whoever whatever that may be so yeah really uh really something to look into Agreed. and then we can add you know 20 houses to your repertoire yeah and uh you know I want one in Bahamas, and I'd like one in maybe Italy. I think you nice. would like one in Thailand. Thailand would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> is that your? Thailand uh, would be nice. Is that somewhere where you really I, like? I, I told you recently. Like I, I think, I'm back, well, I'm like I always believe in whatever you want to happen in your life. You have to kind of like put it out into the universe, you know. And if if you just keep it to yourself and you don't voice it aloud to others or or to anybody, it's not gonna happen. Like you have to voice your things out. So one I'm of the things- Firm I, believer in that, bro. Yeah, like one of the things I wanna do is that I wanna spend the Canadian winters in a warm climate. So, you know, I would love to have the ability to take off after your Christmas party in December, <laughs> you know, and then come back in January, February, March, end of April or something, you know, and then- Before my birthday. Right before your birthday, okay. right? So this whole All thing right. is revolved around you. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> you know, So but you like, can leave January 2nd and you can come back April 18th. 100%. All right, perfect. Right, and then, and then I get to go to every bash that happens. Down. But like, I don't know, I just feel like that's what I need for my- And, and, and it would be Thailand, is that where- Well, that's- out of all the places I've been, that that's definitely the place that appeals to me the most because it's like a hub for martial arts. So there's so many good places to train, and it's got gorgeous beaches, and it's like just uh, financially very affordable once you're there. Getting there can be pricey, but but once you're there, it's like, you know, you could. Whereas here, like if you were to go for dinner every night, it gets super pricey super quick, you know. Oh, so absolutely. you moderate, you, you monitor your budget, and you say, you know, honey, we're gonna go for dinner every Saturday, right? Like here, you're probably a hundred bucks, yeah, seventy minimum to yeah. go out for dinner. Like correct? if you go out with your wife in Thailand and you want to have a gorgeous meal, it's like. And this is gorgeous is like 20 bucks probably. Like five-star kind of dining. Like you, obviously, there's more expensive places. Yeah. But like a very good, healthy meal is like between three and nine dollars each down there. You know, wow. so like how often would you go out and eat if it was that reasonable? You know, like groceries to make that stuff is going to cost me two. So why didn't I just go to this place and pay the four yeah. and then sit four down? Four bucks. Yeah. Like, it's I amazing. haven't been to... Uh, anywhere in the southeast asia yeah. area i love it that being said i did go to italy last year as well and i absolutely i only went to rome but i absolutely loved it like I it was rome phenomenal too. the food is amazing the people are great the the culture like just walking around is did you see you know, the, did you go see the coliseum yeah I, I did everything right so i made sure when i booked my thing that i was right beside piazza navona so then i was like the central hub of Rome so I could go to the Colosseum, the Pantheon, uh, the Roman ruins and everything was like walking distance. So It's pretty epic. I, I went back, I think it was two, three years ago-ish now and uh, I was in the Colosseum and I was just taken back, man. Yeah. I was, the emotions, the, you know, the energy, the, like it was built in 67 or 77 AD, yeah. So like two thousand years Crazy. ago, like Crazy. I was just looking at it, going, "Oh my God!" And they're yep. showing you, you know, underneath mm -hmm. um, where the slaves and the the animals were, and definitely, definitely uh, a really cool thing to see. And then they even show you the catacombs 
which is like I didn't go there. I wish I did though. That's like I wish BC, I saw that. Yeah. right? And so you're talking like two thousand plus years, and so really really cool place to visit. I've seen a lot of the world. I have not seen Southeast Asia. Cynthia tells me all the time how yeah. affordable it is and how beautiful it is. I um, feel like that feeling you get when you travel. How like I don't know. This is a little bit off topic, but I'll just say, like, sometimes when I wake up in the morning, my first thing that goes through my head isn't, oh, it's a beautiful day. You know, like, the first thing that goes through my head when I wake up in the morning is, like, leave me alone, I'm going back to bed, <laughs> right? Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. I'm going back to And I can't help it. That's just the way that I am when I wake up sometimes. Yeah. And any time I've traveled on my own to either Thailand or Italy or wherever I was, when I wake up in the morning, I just feel better. I just feel a need to explore or like you just you feel the heat you smell the ocean and you're just like there's no reason to not get up you know it's just yeah, like man. just want to go explore just get up and enjoy this lovely day yeah. whereas there's so many days here in the canadian winter where i wake up and like i said i'm just like leave me alone i'm going back to bed or I guess i'm going to work and i'm and i'm my mental health is lower than it is when i'm oh for sure away so i want to perpetuate that feeling and i i feel like if i could find a way to financially be able to spend my winters in a warmer climate in an area that I enjoy, then maybe overall it would increase my, I don't know, quality of life. I Absolutely, guess. man. I, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a big believer in anything is possible. Mm -hmm. You know, I really do believe that. And, and, and I think, you know, whatever you set your mind to, if you want it, you can do it. You can have it for so, sure. So, you know, and that really is a true choice. You know, if you put enough hours in, if you, if you if you work hard enough, if you care enough, if you make enough sacrifices, yeah. if that's what you want, it is doable. So you've already came up with the idea. Yeah. Now it's a matter of putting it in your making plan it happen. and making it a reality. For sure. And 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 I know you will do it. You know, I think that, you know, you're somebody that I always uh, you know, respect that you say something, you do it. Yeah, 100%. Um, and that's funny. I say that all the time to my girlfriend. I'm like, listen, if you say you're going to do something, do it. And we're going to get along great. You know, like, it, that's man. it. That's all I want. Just don't don't BS me. Just yeah. if you're going to do it, if you say you're going to do it, do it, you know? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, spreading the the word of manifesting, putting it out there. You know, 100%. Even if it's writing it down, like there's a lot of studies that show, um, you know, writing it down, planning it you know continuously seeing it you know yeah. so put it in your room put it on a vision board yeah. your likelihood of, of achieving it is so much more likely if you constantly you know have it in your face so 100 percent, you have to your brain starts you know working on it even when you're not working on it yeah. so your your subconscious plays a huge role in my opinion and um, it maybe motivates you to do things you wouldn't normally do because you've thrown it out into the universe and then maybe you're feeling super lazy that day and you're like, but then secretly inside of you somewhere, there's a motivation that gets you up and goes to do that thing. That's going to take you just a little bit closer to your goal. Absolutely. You know, man. like I, I do believe you need to rest and lay on the couch sometimes and watch movies and chill out and stuff, you know, but there's also you have to get up and, and work towards the things that you want, even in times where, you know, it's difficult to do so. Yeah, 100 percent. Setting your goal, setting your you know, setting the goals. I think yeah. that's where, where it's at. Have the vision, the plan, the idea of what you want, putting some goals down on paper and then making it come to fruition. You will start to make sacrifices. You will start to, you know, change your outlook on, you know, I had, I had a sit down with a client before and they were like, 
you know, I, I want to sell my house and I want to move to, um, I want to move to like the country. I want to buy something very, very cheap. I don't want to work anymore. I just want to be with my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, having a talk with her and, and, and trying to like understand where that was coming from, peeling the onion back and saying, you know, why do you want to do this? And she was like, I don't want to work anymore. I don't enjoy it. I just want to be with my kids. And so I started to peel the onion some more and say, okay, is this financially possible? Yeah. And the more I broke it down, I was like, you can do this. You know, you and your husband, you know, your husband can make enough money that this is doable. However, your quality of life won't be there. And so, you know, if you don't want to take your kids, you know, to Disney World or Canada's Wonderland or Great Wolf Lodge or have them in dance or have them in hockey or yeah. have them in any, then you can do that. Yeah. But if you do want to, you know, spend the, the, cause their, her kid was, you know, I think one and two or, or one and three. And so I said, do you remember when you're one? And she's like, not really. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but you remember when you were five or six and you went to, you know, went, went, went with your mom and dad to, you know, Canada's Wonderland or on yeah. trips. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, so to me, you know, it's, it's not my decision. It's up to you. But, you know, if you if you want to be able to have those memories with your kids, then we need to change your mentality. We need to change your outlook. When you go to work, you know, instead of it being like, I hate this, it could be like, I'm doing this for, you know, the ability to take my kid to Great Wolf Lodge. Yeah. Um, or I'm doing this so that I can put my kid in hockey. I'm doing this so I can spend time with, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so well, I just, think people quit. Uh, quicker now than than they used to as well, right? Like people, when I when something negative happens to me, which which happens, and or some, uh, a problem comes up that might stop somebody, I don't sit there and dwell on the negativity of it or the issue, and, and it's that it's stopping me from doing this. I try to find a way, and I I look at it as a challenge, right? Like okay, so. COVID shut me down for two weeks, like I said. So I can sit here and collect this CERB benefit and just sit on the couch. Or maybe I could try to find a way to keep moving forward in a, like offering training sessions or making something shelves that I made, you know, and selling these shelves on Kijiji or, or something, right? Like, I don't know. Try Better to yourself. Do something. Always, always, man. I hate that feeling of stagnation, you know, where I'm staying on the same plane and I'm not moving forward. You don't have to be taking huge steps forward all the time, but you do have to not be going backward. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I put a little, I saw a quote about a week or two ago I posted, and it, it's a, such a simple quote, but it makes so much, you know, it kind of like went, Wow. It's like one of those, uh, you know, small but very significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it said, a little by a little becomes a lot. Yeah. And it's such a simple like thing. But it's true, you know. You, you, you fight. You know, you've, you've went into the, into the octagon. You <laughs> battled. And you didn't just jump in. No. A little by a little. Work your way up. For sure. You know, you, you started to build strength. You started to, you know, work harder. You started to wrestle. You started to train. You started yeah. to add a little bit of jujitsu. You started to add a little bit of, you know, Muay Thai. You started to add a little bit of, you know, conditioning. And all of a sudden, after months and months and months and months, yeah, you were ready. And now, you know, <laughs> now I, I I have a hard time to wrestle you. And I've got about 100 pounds on you. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, and that, that, that mindset applies to everything, though. And I didn't realize that until maybe I, I turned like, you know, 29 or 30 or something when I actually had a turning point and realized that I got to switch up the way I'm doing things, you know, because I wasn't happy where my, my life was going in, in one direction. So you got to switch up my train of thought. And then it opened up so many doors to like new people who are, are more positive uh, in, in myself and in like supporting my growth. And like when you're around positive people and like, you know, just this might be a silly example, but like I was in a bunch of group chats with my friends and like all they're doing, the majority of the time is ripping on each other. And it was great when I was, you know, 27, 20, I loved it. It was awesome. And then I, I changed my the way that I think and the way that I look at my future and who I want to be. And I thought, I don't want to be this guy that is m- trying to make somebody feel bad and then feeling good about that. And this guy's supposed to be my friend. So I literally, I'm out, I'm out of every group chat I was ever in. I haven't been in one in years because it's just, it's not the type of relationship that I want to perpetuate, you know? Yeah. So it's like, if you see something that, you don't like you can change it and you just have to be willing to accept that challenge and go for it and i think you've always been that guy you know you've always been um never been will- a follower no I've you're always, will- yeah. you're willing to stand on your own you know 100 percent, 100 percent. i've all and I, I there was a sign this is so stupid but like in grade six there was a sign in my classroom and it said in a world of followers dare to be a leader and for some reason that still sticks in my mind today at 35 and i'm just like um, that's awesome though you know yeah where i was just like you know what i everybody's doing this i I love these guys, but I don't really care. I'm just going to go do my own thing, and they're still going to be there, you know, yeah. and, and it, it's worked, right? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. It's like, you know, so, and, and I get it's all banter, you know. Mm-hmm. We just make fun of each other, and it's not really serious, but uh, it's, I understand it's not conducive yeah. to. And it can get serious at times, it can, yeah, but you don't, you don't want to let it When one out. person crosses the line, then the next, next person, person crosses the line, and then it's, I got to get him back, and yeah. then I got to get... And then so, you remember it, and then some people are more vindictive than others and stuff. I mean, that's just an example yeah. of, of stopping something that I felt wasn't helping my... psyche yeah my mental health or or whatever right absolutely but it applies to other things too like when josh and i first opened the gym in 2016 it was you know do i want to just keep going to other people's gyms and helping out or do i want to take that risk and accept the challenge and go out on my own with one of my best friends and try to make it work and if it doesn't work it doesn't work so what? At least I can say I tried. Absolutely. And, you know, when I'm 70 and I'm telling, trying to motivate my grandkids to do stuff, I have examples of this is what I did. Dare to you know? be bold, man. Yeah. And I can speak to the things that I've done. I don't like to speak to things other people have done, you know, and I don't want to give advice on things that I haven't been through myself. But if you ask me something and I'm educated on it, I will help any way that I can to try and help you to not make the same mistakes that I did. You know. You, uh, you, Michael Jordan, you miss all the shots you, you don't, don't take. take. Yeah. Was that so Jordan or Gretzky? Pretty sure it was Jordan. Was it Jordan? Yeah. I think so. I think I've heard that like related to Gretzky as well. You, you'll miss 100% you know, of the shots you don't take. No, I'm like, pretty yeah. sure that was Gretzky. Was it Gretzky? I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. I knew I it was. I want to Google yeah. this. <laughs> no, Duck, Duck, Go. <laughs> duck, Duck, Go. Yeah. New way to less censored Google. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, either way, the point is, you know, it's, it's true. You know, everything I've kind of achieved was something that originally I was like you know maybe this is bold to you know start to build houses yeah you know maybe this and it is 
And it is. It is. And, and, and it is like, risky. It is risky. You know? I had to lever. I had to literally put my house on the line yeah. and my life on the line to make it happen. Yeah. But you know, if you're, I truly believe, if you're willing to work hard, you're willing to be positive, you're willing to put it out there, you're willing to put the hours in, it will work itself out. Hundred percent. When we were in university together, you know, you're making next to no money somehow you still find a way to go out enjoy yeah. live life yeah then you started making you know 30 40 50 thousand dollars a year and you find a way to live by your means for sure and you know somehow it always works itself out yeah so as long as you keep pushing you keep pushing and you keep you know raising the bar for yourself you will find a way to do it but i believe it works itself out for those who who believe it works itself out. You know what I mean? Like Magic if you, of believing, man. If you believe that, oh, it was always happens to me. Everything's so negative. Why me? You know, that's yeah. your problem. Yeah. Change that. And then you'll see the things around you change. And start looking at what can I do to not make this happen again instead of thinking, you know, this always happens to me and whining about it, you know? I, go go do it yourself and, and make it happen. The little red book, man. Yeah. Little red book What's that? I read. It's called The Magic of Believing. Okay. And it is same as the secret, same as all that stuff. It's yeah. it's you know, if you believe it, you're you'll start to manifest it. Your brain will start to you know, start to believe it. Yep. And uh I read that book and I, I swear it's changed my life and that was fifteen years ago, twelve years ago. My dad, who is like my one of my heroes i love him so much he's amazing larry he's, he's shout out to larry funniest guys i've ever i love like, larry too his outlook on life is amazing you know and like he said i remember very when happy i was a guy. kid yeah very positive happy and happy go lucky. my whole life yep. you know and uh, he used to say to me and he always like gets a certain tone when he wants to be like i don't know give you advice and yep. be like son don't let it happen make it happen <laughs> And it sticks with me and I'm just like, he's right. You know, it's not going to happen unless I put it out there and I try to do something to make it happen. You yeah. Know? You can't just sit back and be like, yeah, I want to, I want to live in Thailand. Yeah. Well, I'm going to live in Thailand, man. But I'd cool. That's it. How, how are you going to yeah. do it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I'm going to do it. hundred percent. You know, but it is a good start, right? I'm going to do it. Yeah. Okay. You got to throw it out there so, and then you will start taking the steps. Absolutely, man. I, I, and again, I, I want to shout out to you, like everything you've ever set out, you've accomplished, which is nice. And, and we're still, you know, in our thirties, I know you're going to set out to do a lot more. Yeah. I don't you know. know what, but I gotta, I gotta do some more, you know, I think you will, man. And, you know, yeah. real estate has given you a, a nice little, uh, you know, equity builder you yeah. got a, you know, you bought it at a good time seven years ago. You got lucky with that that jump in 2016, that's for sure. Absolutely. And now yeah. you got a couple other properties, so that's yeah. going to help push you to, uh, you know, more properties and more equity, and and hopefully, you know, maybe you'll buy a place in Thailand. Who knows? Yeah, who knows, man? Maybe I'll who buy knows? one close by. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll both have Why a not? place in Thailand. Why man. not? Anything I, is possible if that's, if that's what you decide to do. I um, agree. But yeah, man, I definitely. Uh, Definitely appreciate you coming out here. Hey, man. Anytime. Definitely uh, appreciate always seeing you. And, and uh, until our next bash, keep hustling, keep yeah. hype, keep fighting. And, uh, yeah, man. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, buddy. Happy to be here. Thanks, buddy.